It is so great to be with you today. It seems like a, a surreal moment because um, this is the last Sunday that we have here at Mount Pleasant High School, right? Before we move into our new facility. And, uh, and what's crazy to me, you know, so I was pulling in this morning, I was just thinking, and I remembered back to September 20th of 2015 when we started the church in this facility and that first Sunday. And I remember looking at Tori and the night before and just going, hey girl, like, I don't know who's going to show up. They met, nobody may come. Uh, but whatever, whoever shows up, that's our starting point, And we'll grow from there. And we didn't. We actually started there and then we dwindled down significantly, right? And then I didn't understand God's growth plan sometimes involves pruning. Uh, actually, it always involves pruning. So, um, but we've watched God do some incredible things. I mean, just to celebrate with you in this facility, uh, we've watched over 650 people make decisions for Jesus. And we've baptized, yeah, incredible. And we've baptized 294, and we believe our best days are ahead, not behind us. Can I get a good amen? So, super pumped you're here. Uh, I, just a disclaimer, if you show up to this facility next Sunday, you're going to be the only one. And so... Um, we're moving into our new home, which is the old Mount Pleasant Middle School right off of Highway 49, diagonal. Uh, I'm sorry, right, yeah, right off of Highway 49, diagonal from the Hardys in Mount Pleasant. We'd love for you to join us there um, next week. But this week, man, we are wrapping up our final message in this three-week series called Giving Up on Christmas. If you are here with us for the first time, we are honored and excited that you chose to be here with us. I'm not the only one who's excited. Church, can you help me welcome every first-time guest? Yeah. Uh, we intentionally don't call you a visitor. We call you a guest because we want you to come back and we want you to feel like this is home. And so uh, as you're here today, just do us a favor, fill out that connect card, stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to exchange it for a gift just to connect with you. Again, we're not going to show up doing anything weird or anything like that. We just want to say thank you. But if you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody, just drop it in the bucket as you leave. We just want to know that you are here. So grateful uh, for this morning. So we're going to end our series called Giving Up on Christmas. And today I want to talk to you about giving up on busyness. Giving up on busyness. Now, busyness is one of those things that oftentimes plagues our life, especially in the holiday season. How many of you are done with all your Christmas shopping? Right? We don't like you, right? Because most of us, most of us aren't done. We still have a few gifts to buy for people. There's those people who we're seeking out that we, we just got to get a few more things done. But the holidays get really crazy. They get super busy. And if we're not careful, what happens is you and I will actually wear busyness as a badge of honor. As if our lives are more important because we're stressed all the time. And you've met those people and maybe you are that person. If, you, if your neighbor's that person, you can elbow them. No, I'm just kidding. But, but maybe, you know, you talk to them, hey, we've got this going on. You want to come hang out? No, I'm just too, I'm too busy. Because we wear it like a badge of honor as if when we're stressed out more, our lives have more meaning. And I don't believe that God intended you and I to live that way. And so what I want to do is I want to open God's word with you this morning. In Luke chapter 10, we see the story of Mary and Martha. Now, I'll tell you, this is the only passage of scripture I've taught every single year in the life of our church. And the reason is I think we just haven't got it yet, right? 
that, that we're still busy, we're still stressed out, and God has something that he wants to show you and I today through opening his word that could change us forever. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can get it on your phone. It's going to be available on the screen. But if you don't have one that you read at home, we'd love to bless you with one. And so just stop by the Next Steps area and get a Bible as our gift to you. Because uh, and, 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 you know, we want to give you a Bible you can read, right? So some of you have a Bible that you have at your house, but you can't read it and understand it. And if you can't read it and understand it, it don't do you no good. It's just collecting dust. So let us give you one. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. This is what it says. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my no-for-good-good-for-nothing sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to get off her lazy rear end and help me. Now, that's, it's not in there, but you'd know it if you were following. It says, it says tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. This is a passage of scripture that's been taught a whole lot. People talk about it all the time. And every time I look at this passage of scripture, I would love to tell you that I am Mary. Right, That if you looked at my life, the way it's structured a lot of times, I'm just always sitting at the feet of Jesus. That, that every opportunity I have, I'm sitting at Jesus' feet, and it's incredible. But here's what I believe. I believe it's really easy to be Mary when you're not Martha. And like, I'm Martha. <laughs> Right. Like I am very much the busy person. I am the, the person who is flying by the seat of the pants. I am kind of worried or distracted about many things. I'm running around. It's chaotic in life sometimes. And I'm overly like my life is overly complicated to the point where even when Jesus is available, I'd rather just kind of be working on stuff. Even when Jesus is chilling in the other room and he's available and he's ready for me, like I, I'm just kind of the guy who at times feels like working would be better. And so I want to talk to you this morning, give you some practical things from this passage of scripture that I think will help you and I understand how to combat busyness in this holiday season. First thing, if you're taking notes, uh, just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Now, Let's set the scene for a moment. Martha has just gotten word that Jesus is coming to town. This is not just your neighbor, right? This is not the head of the HOA board. This is not just an ordinary individual. This is Jesus, like Savior of the world. Messiah is coming into town, and he's coming to your house to hang out. Martha sees this as an incredible opportunity to provide a meal or at least some good snacks for Jesus. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Martha's not shopping. She's not going to food line. She's going to Publix, right? She's hitting that Whole Foods because there's some gluten-free disciples. I mean, she is, she is in it. She is making sure that everybody is ready and she's going and she wants to prepare the best meal she possibly can for Jesus and his disciples, so Martha comes home and she's making sure the house is clean and everything looks neat and everything's prepared and the kitchen's clean. All the dishes are done. She's loaded the dishwasher, unloaded it twice because you don't do dishes unless Jesus is coming over. And so, 
And Martha's in the kitchen and, and she's working and she's preparing and she hears that Jesus is just a couple minutes away and she starts freaking out because the biscuits aren't done and nothing's ready and everything's chaotic. And then Jesus walks through the door and she had a helper. Mary was there. Mary was there the entire time. Everything was fine. But when Jesus walks in, Mary just sits at his feet. And Martha, Martha's working. And I think preparing a meal for the creator and savior of the world is a good thing. Like, I would do it. Right. Or I would at least buy some frozen stuff to cook for Jesus, right? Like, <laughs> like, I would prepare a good meal. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that thing. But this is what it says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me, the Greek word that's used there to say pulled in many directions, literally means that, that when it says she's distracted, the Greek word there means to be pulled in every direction. So Martha's in the kitchen and she's going, I could be sitting with Jesus or, or there's a veggie tray. I could, I could be in the living room. I could be connecting with God. That's, that's awesome. But I could, but, but this isn't ready and that's not ready. And she's having this inward tug of war within herself because she feels pulled in many directions. And one of the things that I wholeheartedly believe is that if the enemy can't derail you, he'll distract you. Like if the enemy can't knock you off the plans and purposes of God, what he'll do is he'll distract you with things that look like good opportunities. That's why you have to have really good vision. I think Martha lost her focus. She forgot that what this whole thing was about was the fact that Jesus was coming over and it wasn't what she could do for him. It was what he was going to do for her. And when you lose your focus, what the enemy will do is he will create opportunities that look like good things, but just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. You and I have to be really intentional in these holiday seasons to make sure that we're not just being pulled in many directions because the truth is oftentimes we find ourselves busy because we've become distracted because we forgot what this holiday season was really all about. And it's not about stuff and it's not about things. It's about one person and his name is Jesus. And when you and I get distracted, when we lose our focus, it causes us to do a few things. You can pull back up verse 40 at the end of that. Uh, the first thing that she says is, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? So when you lose your vision, here's what you'll begin to do. You'll begin to doubt if God really cares about your life. The, the second thing you'll do is, is he, she goes on to say, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? So she finds faults in others. You start pointing the finger and you start looking at other people. And then she's, tell her to help me. Mary's throwing, Martha's throwing herself a little pity party in the corner. But the truth of this holiday season, maybe this is just why you're here today, is that you can't be a victim and a victor in the same sentence. In your life and in my life, you got to pick. You got to pick. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. So let me ask you a question. What is currently distracting you from spending time with Jesus? What is currently distracting you from spending time with Jesus? For Martha, it was the kitchen. It was the preparation. It was the work. Things that had to be done. Because there are some things in your life and in my life 
that we would probably determine are things that have to be done. And because those things have to be done, we feel like the urgency of them is vitally important. So I have an illustration for you. So I want to show you. These jars right here represent time. You and I all have the same access to time. We were given 24 hours in a day. Now, some of us may live longer than others, but, but you and I have the same access to time. And there's one way to live your life. Now, these three different canisters represent things that we do in our lives. This first jar of sand would really be what is considered uh, time wasters, right? We all have them, and for some of us, it's, it's social media. For others of us, it's just spending time on emails or we've binge watched The Office for the 19th time now, right? Like we all have time wasters, social media, things that really uh, in no way, shape or form can ever make an eternal impact. Then we have small things in our life. And the life is actually filled with a lot of small things because there's things that you have to get done and there's things that you want to do, maybe hobbies or things like that. But, But truthfully, with the small things in life, if you don't do them, it's not really that big of a deal. But then all of our lives have these big things. And so like a big thing for me is my faith, right? I want to spend time with God and in his word. Another big thing is my wife. I want to make sure that my family has priority. I, other things would be, you know, like a job because I got bills, right? I mean, whatever it is. And so then we add these big things into our lives. And if we look at it, about what our lives look like. We've got all of these things going on, and in the area of time, we have too little time to do all the things that we're currently doing. The problem is when we build our lives this way, what we've said are the really big things, what we've said are the most important things, end up coming in last. We end up not focusing on them. We end up not doing them because... The first things came last, but there's a different way to live. And what if you and I lived our lives in a way where we put first things first? So one of the things for me, for every seven days, I believe that we give God a day. So we make church a priority. Church is one of those things on my calendar, and not just because I pastor this church. Even if I didn't pastor this church, it'd be a non-negotiable, where Sundays I'd be in church. I didn't say I'd just be watching it online. So I'd be in here because there's a difference between being in-house and watching from home. I think church from home is a great luxury, super thankful for technology. But if you only watch church from your couch, you're never going to get what you get when you're in the game with the people. You need to be in-house. Another thing for me is date night, right? Date night is a huge priority. That's, that's one of those things where uh, I try not to move if possible. If, if, like, there's plenty of things I say no to. Because date night for me is Thursday. And so those are priorities. I put my first things first. But life is not going to be rid of the small things. In fact, you and I are still going to have a ton of small things in life, things that we have to get done or things that we want to do, and those happen. But then we add in our time wasters. So, man, I love watching me some Netflix, right? How many of y'all binge watch TV? Half of y'all just lied. Like, oh, I can't admit that in church. Right? I love, love catching up on my favorite TV shows or 
Uh, I'm a big fantasy football guy, playing fantasy football, social media, spend some time there. But then what begins to happen is you notice that when we put the first things first, and then we let the smaller things in life come in, and then we add in all those time wasters and stuff, not only was there enough room for everything, but now we have this little space at the top. And you know what that space is called? Margin. And one of the reasons why you're so burnt out or you're so exhausted in life is because your life has no margin in it. Because the truth is, you may structure your life where you put first things first and then you have smaller things and then you let everything else kind of fill around the gaps. But there may be some big things that come your way and when they do, you actually still have space for them because you've made room for God. So we put first things first. Scripture says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto us. So we put first things first in our life. God is a priority. My family is a priority. Church is a priority. Work is a priority. What, what are those things for you? I would say that's a pretty good order. Like if, if you put your family first and then God, you'll get it wrong every time. God, family, church, work. First things first. When we do that, God blesses it. Look at what Paul says to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. It says this, I'm not saying this, I'm saying this to you for your benefit. So, so Paul, Paul's funny. I think Paul has a pastor's heart. Paul's a communicator. He's, before he tells you his point, before he tells you what he's trying to tell you, he's like, I just want you to know, I'm not doing this for me. This is, this is really for you. You should listen. If there's any time you should take notes, it should be in this scenario. Not to place restriction on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. And how do we serve the Lord with as few distractions as possible? We put first things first. And then we let our life be filled with small things. And then we just add all those time wasters and other things in there that we want to do. You and I have to put first things first. Chapter uh, 10, verse 41, Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Second thing for you this morning is this. Who I follow is revealed by who I listen to. So first thing we talk about, just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. We talked a whole lot about Martha. But second thing, who I follow is revealed by who I listen to. It's very clear. It's a clear indicator of who was over Martha's life, who was the ruler, who was in charge of Martha's life, because Martha chose to stay in the kitchen. Martha chose to be led by her own feelings, by being angry or frustrated, by being worried and upset about many things. Martha was being led by that. But Mary, Mary was different. When Jesus walked into the house, Mary saw Jesus and immediately transitions to sit at his feet. Now, I grew up in a house with brothers and sisters. I have, I have two brothers and a sister. And here's what I know. Before I ever tagged mom or dad in, I had yelled at my brother or sister like five or six times. So I wonder how many times Martha is in the kitchen, Mary is in the living room, Jesus is talking, and Martha's going, Hey, Mary, can you help me in the kitchen for a little bit? Like, hey, Mary, Ma Mary, 
Mary, this is why mom doesn't love you, right? Like Mary is, Mary's mad. Martha's mad. Mary's chilling. Martha's getting angrier and angrier and angrier, more worried and more upset because Mary isn't helping. So she comes to Jesus and Jesus says, Mary discovered something that won't be taken from her. I think the best thing you could do in this holiday season is just simply listen to the voice of God. Jesus says in John that my sheep know my voice. God is speaking consistently. Oftentimes, the reason why you and I don't hear from him is because it works a whole lot like, uh, you know those old car radios that had the dials on them, right? You would dial it in. So radio frequencies, um, there's something always playing on that frequency. Just because you're not tuned in doesn't mean that nothing is playing. It just means that you're not tuned in to the frequency in which something is being communicated through. And I think hearing from God works that way. God is always speaking. Martha had the same access to hear Jesus as Mary did. The difference was Martha was not tuned into the frequency and Mary was. Who you listen to matters. And when we get into the holiday seasons, a lot of times what you and I fall into is people-pleasing. Like the way we structure our lives or the things that we do are all wrapped around uh, what people are going to think of us, what they believe of us, what they know about us. And we get so preoccupied with these things. Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For, na- for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? It's one or the other. In your life and in my life, Paul says, you have one or two options. You will seek the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, if you're listening to the voice of God and you're following after the voice of God, there are going to be some people who don't agree with your decisions. And it's okay. There are going to be some people who don't go down the same road you're going down or don't go down on the same journey that you're taking. And it's okay. If you and I fall into the trap of people pleasing, we will never walk in God's purpose and plan that he has for our life. Mary's story would have been drastically different if she would have just listened to her sister Martha and gotten up and went away. And I wonder how many times God is drawing you and I to listen to him, but somebody else calls and we go that direction. You and I have to be focused on hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God every single time. Because if not, we're going to end up putting things first that should never be first in our lives. One of the passages of Scripture um, that, that I think about says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So here's what I believe about your time and my time. You have all the time you need to do everything God has called you to do. And in the event that you find yourself without the time to do something, it's because you're probably doing something for the approval of people rather than of God. Look at what Proverbs 29, verse 25 says. It says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Mary would have lost everything if she would have just listened to Martha. I believe that you and I need to, need to, need to be focused on God's opinion of us more than everybody else's. And truthfully, too, 
what would your life look like if you let God be the one who controlled the opinions that other people had of you? Like if you stopped trying to make your actions all about having people see you differently. It's a trap. Proverbs 29, let's pull that verse back up real quick. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare. When you get afraid of what people think of you or what they might say about you or what they'll do, you will make poor decisions. You will fall into a trap every single time because fear is a horrible motivator. You will never, fear doesn't come from God. So if you start out with a motivation in fear, you're never going to get a godly result. Fear lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. This was a big struggle for me when I felt God called me to plant the church in Mount Pleasant. So uh, part of my story, and some of you may know it, some of you may not, um, I got kicked out of this high school for drug possession. Um, got into a lot of trouble in this area. But then in 2011, I was invited to teach at a youth conference that was hosted here. And so I walked from that stage where I, I get to stand, got to stand every Sunday. That's going to change as of next week. And I stood right there and I walked out on stage because I was going to get ready to open God's word in the school that I had been kicked out of. It was weird, <laughs> but like, super pumped for it at the same time. I get up here to teach and right before I do that, I hear God say, I'm bringing you back here. I knew he was talking about planting a church in Mount Pleasant. That was already on my heart was to plant a church, but I didn't know where. I'd been praying about where, and now God had given me an answer. But i got to be honest, I was like, nope. <laughs> Not doing it. Not doing it. Part of the reason why I didn't want to do it, I, I'll be honest, I, I, just, I thought like what I had done in this area, like the problems I'd caused, the perceptions people had of me. There was one point where, where I was arguing with God, and I was like, God, look, look. We can do Mormons in Utah for the rest of my life. Like, I'm cool with that. But I kept coming back to Mount Pleasant, coming back to Mount Pleasant, coming back to Mount Pleasant. And had I not been obedient to the voice of God and followed the fear of man, we wouldn't be here today. So what we have to do is make sure that the motivations or the decisions we're making in this holiday season in our lives are not because we're afraid of people, but we're going after the heart of God every single time. Luke chapter 10, verse 42, it says this. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is talking to wrap up this passage. And he's talking to Martha, who has just been angry. She's been frustrated, and she's like, Jesus, you need to tell my sister to help me. Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't understand. Mar Mary discovered something. Mary found something. And nothing can take it away. Last point for you this morning. You can lose everything but God. You can lose everything. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew where he talks about building your house on the rock or building your house on the sand. And he says that, one, the house that's built on a rock has an incredibly stable foundation. And so what happens when the storms of life come, because they will, if anyone lied to you and told you that when you start following God or you, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, life gets easy, they're a liar. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't get easy. In fact, I would tell you it was a whole lot easier to be my own God. I got to do whatever I wanted. And sin is fun. If you're not having fun while you sin, you do it wrong. 
talks about building your house on a rock. And he says that when the storms of life come, the winds blow. The house that's built on the rock stands. There's another house that's built on sand. And when this house is built on the sand, when the storms come in, it crumbles and destroys everything. And I think sometimes in your life and my life, we build our house on a foundation other than God, and that's the sand. But when you build your house on God, when you discover what Mary discovered, it can't be taken from you. Anything can happen in your life, and you've still got God. Your house could be gone, and you've still got God. Some people lose their jobs in the holiday season. Guess what? You lost your job, and that's horrible. But you know what hasn't left? God. You can lose everything. You could lose relationships. You could lose friendships, but you still have God. You could lose all of your money, and you still have God. You could lose your health, but you still have God. And my fear for a lot of people, when we're stuck like Martha, is we think that if we work hard enough, we can earn God's approval. We think that if we just cook long enough in the kitchen or if we just make a good enough meal, that God will somehow love us more. But the truth is, God doesn't want your meal. He wants you. God didn't need, Jesus didn't need for Martha to cook him a great feast. He needed people like Mary who were willing to just stop, who were willing to sit at his feet. As I was studying this, it came across my my tablet, that one of the indicators of a disciple was that they sat at the feet of their teacher. And I think that's exactly what Mary is doing to show you and I just how important it is. Yes, you could run around and you could be crazy busy in this holiday season. That's an option. Or you can sit at the feet of Jesus. You can be present in his presence because as you're present in his presence, everything will begin to shift in your life. Everything begins to change when you and I allow God to give us peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's not found in working more. It's not found in striving. It's simply found in sitting at his feet, listening to what he has to say. So for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, here's what I know. Um, there are some of you in here today who you've never heard the voice of God and you don't even know what you're listening for because you don't have a relationship with Him. Because the only way to have a relationship with God is to have accepted what Jesus did for you on the cross, which was to die as the payment of your sin and my sin. And so for some of you in here today, you feel this stirring in your heart right now. You, you don't even know what it is. You just know that God has been drawing you to respond to him. To say, hey, today I need to give my life to God. And the moment you do that, Scripture is clear that you become part of his family. You become one of those sheep that know his voice. And so if that's you in here today and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, would you just indicate that by boldly lifting your hand for a moment to say, hey, that's me. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Keep your head bowed and eyes closed for just a minute. I believe that there are some of you who came in bogged down with busyness today. But today's the day you leave different than you came in. Where you put first things first and you commit to spending intentional time with God. To be focused on Him above all else. If that's you and you say, hey, I want to make Christ my first priority going into this holiday season. I want to break busyness off of my life. Would you just indicate that by lifting your hand for a moment all around the room? Thank you, Lord. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to continue to worship. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for each and every single person in this room. And right now, we break the bondage of the enemy that would cause us to be busy. We throw off every weight that hinders us and distracts us so that we can run our race with endurance. And we ask you, Lord, to give us strength and courage to say no to things so that we go after what you have for us above all else. We thank you, God, that when we seek after you, we find you. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.